struck me just then. It's no longer a foretaste for Miss Lee. Faith has become sight. All of our loved ones who have passed on. I was thinking particularly of her and her first Lord's Day in the presence of the Lord. It's pretty special. I don't think I'm doing Sunday school, so I should probably change that. Okay, we are studying through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we are in the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. This morning we'll move a little faster than we've been moving. It's because of the nature of the text here. Um, But I want to read from verse 10 in chapter 5 through verse 7 in chapter 6. And you'll see that variously formatted in in different translations. If you have a King James, the verse numbers are a little different, but the, the content is there, or Geneva Bible. It's true in the King James as well. Anything that's reflecting the Hebrew, but uh, in that way. But chapter 5 in the ESV, beginning with verse 10, where it says, He who loves money. This is the Word of God. Pay close attention. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is sleep for a la- of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb again. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and in sickness and anger. Behold, What I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy him and to accept his lot and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many days so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things and he also has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, as, as has been said by Piper and others, that 
You are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in You. Work in our hearts a holy satisfaction that produces a life lived for Your glory with joy and contentment and in Your grace and power. This is Your Word, Lord. Apply it to our hearts. Save and sanctify Your people. Help me to preach Your Word in the power of the Spirit and help us to own our responsibility to hear it with diligence in the power of the Spirit. Save and grow in grace. Minister to Your people. Accomplish all Your purpose. We bow before You and pray for Your blessing on the Word and it preached. And we trust You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I dance with the devil to get what I need. I need more, 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 more. I need some more of that sweet satisfaction to soothe my soul. Probably weren't humming that when I read it. But anyway, maybe you were. Ready, ready and Willing by White Snake. It was that song. Y'all don't know, we've been using songs as introductions in our series in Ecclesiastes. But there's a city that everyone wants to live in. And that city is called Satisfaction. But it seems that almost no one knows how to get there. Most people buy their maps from World Mart. And on that map, Mammon Road seems to be the best way to the city. Mammon is money and possessions. So most go that way. And it gets close sometime, only to veer off into the dark forest of disappointment and despair. But everyone assures you that this is the right road. So you go on and on and on, all the while hoping that satisfaction is just over the next hill or just around the next corner. But there's another map that most don't buy. And in fact, it's free. It's in an old store called Word Mart. On this map, the correct road to satisfaction is clearly marked out. It is contentment way. It's a very short road that reads directly, leads directly to the city of satisfaction. It seems too good to be true. But the one who made the map is the founder of the city. Satisfaction. So he knows exactly where it is. The few who trust Him and follow this map safely arrive at the beautiful, peaceful town of satisfaction. See, we are studying the book of Ecclesiastes and we are seeing what Solomon is saying. We're seeing the examples that he uses to get us to really realize what he's saying when he says, all is vanity. All is hebel. Everything under the sun in this creation is temporary, transitory. It's here and then it's gone. There's not enough under the sun to sustain your joy, your delight, and your satisfaction. And everybody, apart from God's grace, tries to find it here. But they never quite arrive. They end up in the place of the song I need more 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 see the symptom of life in a fallen world that Solomon is highlighting this morning is one he's already talked some about one of the laws of good teaching and one of the laws of learning is repetition and repetition is emphasis emphasis in God's word but we're talking about the symptom of life in a fallen world being dissatisfaction And I would have used the Stones song, I can't get no satisfaction, but I've already used that in the series, so I couldn't double dip on that one. We live in a world that abounds in dissatisfaction. 
lack of true and lasting satisfaction. Many things promise it. Sin promises it. But in the end, they all fail to deliver. And today what we see Solomon doing is he's, he's, he sort of has a sandwich here and he's contrasting greed and contentment. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. I, if you look at the bookends of the text that I read, in verse 10, it's not satisfied. And in verse 5, 10, it's not satisfied. That's how it begins. And in 6, 7, it ends with not satisfied. People are seeking satisfaction. But most people are seeking it under the sun and in the wrong place. They never find it. Not a lasting satisfaction. Not the true soul satisfaction that Solomon is pointing us to. So we're going to look at five uh, 510 to 67. We're going to be here for about three days. Um, we've packed a lot of food for you. No, we'll try to do it uh, reasonably quickly, says a preacher. So don't trust that. But I titled it Never Satisfied. Based on the bookends of this text. Main point I want you to see is we need to, even as believers, but especially unbelievers, we need to repent of every form of greed and embrace contentment by seeking satisfaction in God through Christ. We need to repent of every form of greed and embrace contentment by seeking satisfaction in God through Christ, in our shepherd who says, we lack nothing. So the first thing I want us to see is the fruitlessness of seeking satisfaction in wealth. That's the promise, right? I just had more, I'd be more happy. If you just had all the stuff I have, you'd be happier. So we're going to look at a, a section of chapter 5 and a section of chapter 6, which sandwiches uh, verses 18 through 20 in chapter 5, and we'll come back to those few verses in the second point. But first, the fruitlessness of seeking satisfaction in wealth. He says it straight up. Look, verse 10. Now listen, remember who's talking. This is the richest man that ever lived. This is the smartest man that, uh, under Jesus who ever lived. The wisest man who ever lived. This is not just any Johnny come lately. This is, you remember when we reviewed Solomon's wealth. It's a staggering. Staggering. He says this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Money is not the root of all evil, by the way. That verse is misquoted. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Those who desire to be rich plunge themselves with all sorts of disappointment and suffering if the goal is simply just to have more stuff. Solomon says, the Word says, God says, testimonies of people say, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity, hevel. Everybody, apart from God's grace, is always moaning more and thinking it's going to satisfy their problems. And it just brings more problems most of the time. This is like a proverb. This is a general statement. You know, it's, it's true. Most of this is the way it is in the fallen world. That he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. A couple of examples. You've heard me mention this before, but Ted Turner, famous mogul, started CNN. Tons of money, tons of power, tons of influence. Used to own the Braves. Uh, was asked by Barbara Walters what it's like to have so much authority and power and, and wealth. And this man dropped his face and looked down for a minute and he said, Well, Barbara, it's really an empty bag. You have to get it to know it, but it's really an empty bag. Well, if we listen, we don't have to get it to know it. I saw Sylvester Stallone and Johnny Carson talking about Stallone's rise to prominence. And, and uh, at, Johnny Carson asked him if he was happier. The man didn't know Jesus, but it was pretty cool. He said, are you happier? And, and Stallone did the same thing. He looked down and he said, that's a hard question. And as he stammered through it, he ended up saying, most of the times people are the happiest when they're on the climb up the hill. Not when they get there. 
just his way of saying what J. Paul Getty said. How much does it take to satisfy a man? And he said, just a little bit more. If you're seeking satisfaction here, it's always going to run from you. You'll think you catch it for a little while, and then where did it go? Because nothing here can satisfy. It's temporary. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, or he who loves wealth with his income. And the people that think they will are usually the ones that don't have it yet and think, when I get there, then I'll be happy. But you can see that even being poor. You can think, okay, well, when I get this next job or when I get this next girl or guy or when I... And you get there and there's a little thrill for a little while and then... And on you go with life. Not that you're never thrilled ongoingly. I've got to be careful. But he who loves wealth will not be satisfied by it. In fact, look how he goes on in verse 11. And when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? The more you have, the more is required. The more bills that come. The more people you have to hire. The more headaches you have. You have to have accountants and <laughs> gardeners and all of this stuff. And hangers on. You ever seen people who have a lot and you see the videos? It's usually not just this one famous rich person walking around. There's this, what they call an entourage. And a lot of those are just hangers on who are seeking to milk what is available through this person. Wealthy people draw a lot of attention and people draw near to see what they can get. You've heard the, th the term gold diggers, right? Leeches. He says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. He would know above anybody else how that is true. So it brings more problems, generally speaking, into life. It'll even rob you of your sleep. Look, look in verse uh, 12. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, person of a simple life who, 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 who can sleep at night because he, he doesn't have all the problems that this wealthy person has. He says this, but sweet is the sleep of a laborer when he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep because he's filled not just with food, but with worry and anxiety and his never stopping brain. And people are going to try to come and take what he has and some are taking what he has and people are going to sue him. And, you know, greed, greed will not satisfy you. It brings more problems. It will rob you of sleep, he says. And it can lead to great loss sometimes. He said, this is verse 13. It's a grievous evil I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by an owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad adventure. Get rich quick or get richer quick. All these things where con men are running around and, fought, you know, too good to be true schemes are usually too good to be true. Listen, if you get a text or a phone call that you won something you didn't enter for, be very careful. Because in, in a few minutes, they're going to ask for your card number. These riches were kept and held on to this owner's hurt. And Solomon grieves over that. And they were lost in a bad venture. And now he can't provide for his family. Because he was stupid with his money. He was greedy and was taken advantage of. Sometimes greed bring, brings great loss. Bad, bad investments that promise huge returns, putting all the eggs in one basket, can lead to an empty basket sometimes. This person didn't diversify. So greed will rob you of what you have sometimes. Greed can also make you forget your greatest problem. The greatest foe you have, the greatest thing you need to deal with, it'll make you forget death. Forget that the grave is coming 
forget that death is coming. He says this about that person and using that as an example in verse 15. As he came from his mother's womb, so shall he go again naked as he came and shall take nothing out for his toil that he might carry in his hand. He said this is a grievous evil. Solomon grieves over that. He wishes people you know, would pay attention. He's trying to shake us and get us to believe him. He said, just as he came as shall go, what gain is there for him who toils for the wind, working under the sun to gain more and more and more, to be more fam- famous and popular and wealthy and rich and just focusing here is a grievous evil. And it's working or toiling for the wind, seeking to grasp what can't be held on to because it's temporary and it will leave and you will be naked before God. You can't take it with you and you will then find you have to answer for your life. You can't take it with you, right? That's an old saying. I heard this one guy who wanted to be buried with it. He was a rich guy and he wanted to be buried with his hands outside the casket so people could see that there was nothing in him. He couldn't take, he didn't take anything with him. Solomon says, you can't take it with you. And more than that, just, just that, this person who was greedy and foolish and didn't, didn't look above the sun, wasn't conscious of God, wasn't doing things in a way that honored Him. In verse 17 it says, All his days he ate in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Anger, that's interesting, right? It wasn't paying off the way he thought it would. It didn't solve all of his problems. It didn't keep him happy and satisfied. Maybe he's even angry at God. He's the one running in the foolish direction and paying the stupid tax. We do that, right? And then we blame God for it and get mad at Him. Like driving 100 miles an hour and getting a speeding ticket and then blaming the car maker. Shouldn't have made it go that fast. Well, they didn't. You did. Put some governors on it. Death's coming. You can't take it with you. Greed. Greed can make earthly labor seem to be vain and toiling for the wind. Well, look at another example he uses in chapter 6, verse 1. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. Here's another evil. Here's another example. Here's another symptom of life in a fallen world and men seeking their own and seeking more and worshiping not God, but their own idols of their own creation. It has a payoff. This is a man who has it all and yet has nothing. It's a man who has it all and has nothing. Look at it. Verse 2, A man to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all he desires. Do you know that God is sovereign over the distribution of wealth? God gives this man everything. He lacks nothing of all that he desires. He has made the way for this guy to be successful and to hopefully see the empty bag. It is, but not paying off. He has everything, not just that he needs, but that he wants. I mean, Solomon had that and more. Silver is common and dirt in his, in his reign. And it says, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. But he'll leave them and a stranger will enjoy them. Why does God not give him power to enjoy them? Because he's seeking that joy in them. God's not going to let an idol pay off for him. He's commanded him not to have idols, but to have one true and living God as his God. And he's seeking, and God has given him Wealth, but there's a bit of judgment mixed in, doesn't give him power to enjoy it. He has everything he needs. He's stuck on Mammon Road. He's stuck. His soul 
is not satisfied. Solomon says this is vanity and a grievous evil. It's characteristic of life in a fallen world. Look at this, what he says in verse 3 and following. He said, If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that his days and years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life, good things, and he also has no burial or proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. It's never born, right? Never lived. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, and yet it finds rest. Some good news there for folks who have lost kids. Rather than he. Even though he should live 2,000 years and yet enjoy no good. Solomon's hitting us in the forehead with death again. Do not all go to the same place. Is it wise to pursue everything here? You will eventually die and it's appointed to men once to die and then you will stand before God. The more, more, more life is the foolish life. No matter how smart you are and what all you can build, what you can make work in this world. See, the gospel is not pragmatic. Sometimes God will give us everything we desire, allow us to have it. All the while, we're denying Him. He said, it's better not to be born. At least the baby who wasn't born missed out on all the heartache, all the struggle. This man has everything he needs and he's not satisfied. Look at verse 7. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. He toils for his physical appetites, for his physical indulgence, his physical pleasure, and it is never, ever satisfied. Just wants more, more, more. This plan, under the sun, this creation is not meant to satisfy you. It's doing its job, which is declaring the glory of God and pointing you to Him where you can find true satisfaction. You can ignore it if you want to and seek everything here, and maybe you will be very successful, but if you have not God, you cannot be truly contented and satisfied in this life, and you're certainly not ready to meet Him in judgment and for the next life. Dr. Shaw said this, I'll put the quote up, the mere satisfying of the body will not satisfy the soul. You don't have to be rich to know that. Even the smallest kids know that. It doesn't last. The soul is much harder to satisfy than the body. Man living in a fallen world is beset by dissatisfaction. And at least Mick Jagger was honest enough to sing it. Though I try and I try and I try and I try, I can't get no satisfaction. Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? This guy did and forfeit his soul. What's the expected answer? Zippo. El Zippo. Somebody's heard that before. Nothing. Nada. There's, it's no profit. Temporary indulgence and then pay the price. No satisfaction. No contentment. No lasting joy. Just a bunch of stuff that you did your best to enjoy and have to leave to somebody else. Greed fuels discontent, which leads to a continual seeking for more and more that often brings harm and is never truly satisfied. Dr. Shaw again said this, Stuff cannot be trusted. Stuff cannot be relied on. It can disappear and will. It is hebel. It is temporary, right? It never really satisfied. Stuff is an evil master. They are people who seem to have the world by the tail. And then they're gone. And a lot of times you don't know how many of them knew Jesus and who didn't. You got a pretty good idea from some of them's lives. But I mean, I'm a fan of the old Johnny Carson show. And the old Tonight Show was much better. But 
You'll sit and watch some of those old things and you'll see Johnny Carson, Bob Hope, Dean Martin sitting there. And those guys had the world by the tail. And you think, and I'm sitting there watching it in my home now and thinking, dead, 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 gone, had to answer. Don't know how that turned out. Leave that to God. But it's here and then it's gone and it won't satisfy you. And some of them are honest enough to admit it. Jesus warns us. The only one wiser than Solomon. Right? Or the men. And yes, he's the God man. Don't worry, I'm not forgetting that. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You will serve one and use the other. And a lot of preachers will help you serve money and use God if you're not careful. Prosperity gospel is evil. And you should not listen to those people. And if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to, but that's not this morning's sermon. I'll get too angry. Those who choose to serve mammon or money are never satisfied. Jesus says it's impossible. You can't serve here and here. It's like trying to stand on a dock in a boat at the same time without the boat being tied up. Go try it. It won't last long. And you might think you got it. You might spend your whole life thinking you got it and then in a judgment. You cannot serve God in money and money will not satisfy. It was never intended to. It's not created for that. It's not a bad thing. It's just not a God thing. Use it well. And we'll see that in a second. So listen, if, if this is the bad life, if this is life in a fallen world, if this is what we should avoid, we should avoid greed, then what should we focus on? How should we live? Secondly, the fruitful of seeking, the fruitfulness, not fruitlessness, but fruitfulness of seeking satisfaction in God. Did you know you were created to be joyfully satisfied? You know that you were created to live joyfully satisfied. You even read some of the epistles. We are writing this for our joy, for your joy. You were created to be joyfully satisfied. Those who root their satisfaction in God, those who are contented with God, are the ever satisfied, not the never satisfied. Look at verses 18 to, to, to 20. Behold, what I have seen to be good. Thank you, Solomon, for giving us some encouragement in the midst of this ugh, despair. I've seen this to be good. He said, this, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all of the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone. I'll go ahead and say that. You know, if you spend time counseling people, you'll spend a lot of your time trying to get them to not be, try to be satisfied here, but to be satisfied there. A lot of you are looking to your spouse to make you happy and satisfied. Stop. Just Bob Newhart counseling. Stop it. They can't. They're not meant to maintain that burden. Nothing in, under the sun is. God is. 19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, to accept His lot, to accept His lot and rejoice in His toil. This is the gift of God. For He will not much remember the days of His life because God keeps Him occupied with joy in His heart. To be focused on God and to be receiving what you have from the hands of God. To be having Him as your shepherd and trusting and following Him and knowing that you lack nothing. That's the good life. The good life is not having everything you desire in the world. It's finding everything you truly desire in Jesus. And trusting God to provide for everything you need.
Contentment. What is contentment? It's being satisfied with God and what He provides for, for you each day. Give us this day our daily bread, right? It's a model of praying for contentment in, in God's provision. If you have food and clothing and shelter today, which you do, you have everything you need to be content. If you have Jesus, you certainly have everything you need to be content. Contentment is being satisfied with what God provides for you each day. God exists and is sovereign and in control. And He promises to provide everything I need. Therefore, I have everything I need right now for momently satisfaction. Look what He says. It's fitting to eat, to have eat and drink and find enjoyment in your work. Some of you are not enjoying your job because you're, you're, you're focused on the wrong master. You need to look up above the sun to Him who's in sovereignty. I'm not saying you'll never change jobs, but even now in a job that most of us might think is miserable, you can have joy in that job if your eyes are in the right place, if your soul is pointed in the right place. And in fact, being that God is your shepherd and that He is in control and says you lack nothing and He's put you exactly where He's put you for a reason... You should be satisfied where you are each and every day because you have life, you have salvation, and you're on a mission for Him. Do you, you get it about contentment? Com contentment is about right now. Contentment is about right now. If you're not content right now, you won't be content then. If you tie your horse of contentment to a pole way out there somewhere, I'll be contented and happy then. You'll never catch it. He said, if you eat and drink and find enjoyment in your work, which you toil, yeah, it's hard and it's under the sun, it's in this creation, the few days of life that you have, he said, this is your lot. To eat, drink, and find enjoyment in your job. And listen, just, just examine yourself. If, if I'm not finding daily contentment, then my heart is tied somewhere else where it shouldn't be. Because the gospel is big enough and for me to be content now. Doesn't mean I'll never grow. Doesn't mean I'll never move on. Doesn't mean God will ne never change my situation. But listen, I don't hate to be coarse. I'm not in hell right now. That's where I should be. And it's far better than that. Forgiven, cleansed, empowered, loved. God sings over His people. Wow. Are you satisfied in your God right now as you sit here? Or wherever you sit on the live stream or as you're sitting outside? I'm looking. I don't think it's raining, so they're good. No. <laughs> Are you content? Are you content? I'm not asking you if life's hard. I'm asking you, are you content? Because if He promises us life will be hard. But He's with you, for you, in you. Guaranteeing your future. Remember the future. That'll help you live in the present. Paul said this. And notice he had to learn it. So a lot of us, we're, we're not glorified yet. We're being sanctified. But he said this, and this is a verse that's quoted out of context and so much. But look at the context of it. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to wish I wasn't there and to think I'd be happier somewhere else. Right? You can't see it on the side. There you go. <laughs> hey, we didn't do that on purpose. That's just the way it played out. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. In Ephesians, it says not just to give thanks in everything, but to give thanks for everything. Why? God's in control. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's the secret? I can do all things through Christ. I look to Christ 
And He is my contentment, my satisfaction, my joy, my purpose. He is my shepherd. So I know that I lack nothing. I might not see that and be able to comprehend that, but right now, whatever right now is, I have exactly what He wants me to have to be who and what He wants me to be so that I can be satisfied and content in Jesus and trust Him to empower me to be content in whatever situation I find myself. That's not usually how that verse is ripped out of context and quoted, is it, right? Usually, sometimes it's used for greedy purposes. I, I'm going I'm to do this and I can do everything through Christ. He's going to... Hmm. He'll make you content if you'll look to Him. Paul said he had to learn it, and we're having to learn it, and we're in the school, and some days are better than others. And it's good of him not to give us everything we want. Parents, don't give your children everything they want. Don't throw anything at me, kids. It'd be really bad for you to get everything you want because you would be rotten and terrible. I know. I was a spoiled kid. And I was pretty rotten and terrible. But God is... Straightening me out. I can't say straightened or I'd be glorified. I mean, all of us have false expectations sometimes and don't see things rightly, but we need to recalibrate with the gospel. So what about ambition? Now, just as a quick sideline, if, should I never have ambition if, if God's just going to give me everything I want and I just need to be content where I am and not... Well, that's just another form of grumbling. But... <laughs> but it is a real question. So I ask you, what is your ambition? What is your main and overarching ambition? It is to be to glorify God. My ambition should be first and foremost to glorify God and be contented where He's placed me. To do whatever He has in front of me in a way that glorifies Him. And to trust Him as I maybe seek other things or whatever, I submit them to His will to lead me and guide me and place me and put me where He wants to. See, a lot of you have had a calling on your heart, maybe since you were a kid. My mom knew she was going to be a nurse from age seven. And you've, you've plowed into that calling and, and, and it's paying off in, in various ways. God's blessed that. Just recalibrate about your satisfaction and being rooted in Him. Yes, be diligent. Be ambitious to glorify God and diligent in what He provides. And let Him show you and lead you and take you where He wants you to go so that you can be contented the whole way through and satisfied the whole way through. You know, when you're in seminary, if you're not thinking rightly, you think you're going to be happy when you get in ministry. That's all needing recalibration, right? Because you and I am. I'm just saying. She said I am, and I am. But but thinking rightly, you know, maybe sometimes in seminary I wasn't as contented and satisfied and joyful as I should be in where God had me that day. So there's some lessons to be learned. Yes, ambition, but proper ambition. Solomon here presents the good life as this, and he said it in chapter 2. Eat, drink, and enjoy your job. That's God's gift. And if God is sovereign, you have the right job and the right... You fill in the blank. It's a right time to glorify Him in it, to enjoy Him in it, and to grow through it. Enjoy what He provides through it. Verse 19, be satisfied with little and devote yourself to His glory in little and be content and satisfied and happy in little. Then you're on the way to being content and satisfied wherever He takes you. If you're not satisfied with little, you won't be satisfied with more. Please hear me. And if God allows you to think you are satisfied in and under the sun and in this world... That's a judgment, not a blessing. Believe me, you have far better than you deserve. I don't know all of you. I don't know your current situations. I don't know whatever hardship you're in. But right now, as I'm speaking to me and to you, we all have far better than we deserve. Far, far better than we deserve. Far, far better than we deserve. Christ came. What is the gospel? 
summaries in the Scripture. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He was raised the third day. And we are saved by trusting in Him. He took on the cross what we deserve. And because He was God and man, He could take not only the physical punishment, but the condemnation. Hell, do our sins on His self on that cross and drink it dry. See, that sh- the cross shows us what we deserve. That cross is not because we were beautiful and lovely and desirous. And if we, I was the only one in the world, He'd do it for me. Stop saying stupid stuff like that. I mean, He does love us, but it's His grace and mercy. The cross shows us what we deserve. We deserve condemnation, but He took it and drank that cup dry and went through the grave. See, He's defeated death for us. Lee could testify this morning. And He now gives us salvation as a free gift. Maybe you're not trusting Jesus this morning. You have far better than you deserve. Don't presume on it. It could end today or tomorrow. Right? But even as a believer, you haven't lived a day yet where you kept His law and thought, word and deed and earned your own way. It's all mercy and grace. Salvation is a work of His grace. You have far better than you deserve. Christ. For God, kids, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him, trusts in Him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So trust in Jesus this morning. And having trusted Christ, now walk with a joyful, satisfied heart in the midst of the current trouble. Not waiting until then. The gospel's big enough for you to have joy and satisfaction today. Because you have a savoring, a saving Sovereign God, who is your shepherd. Therefore, you lack nothing. Dr. Shaw said this, Stuff disappoints. God, on the other hand, does not disappoint. Unless we're rebelling against Him, right? God does not disappoint. He can be relied on. One thing for which God can be relied on is the enjoyment of the small, ordinary things in life. These are the things we take for granted, but Solomon reminds us that we should not do so. Dissatisfaction is a sin because we're refusing to be satisfied in our God. So what do we take away from this? Real quickly, repent of your dissatisfaction with what God has presently provided you. You have everything you need and more to be contented and satisfied and happy and joyful in Him. Repent of seeking the city of satisfaction on Mammon Road. Wealth will never satisfy you. Number three, strive to be satisfied through the cross with what you have here and now. This is overlap, I know, but... You don't need anything else to be satisfied in God. The cross is sufficient. Can you imagine looking Jesus in the face as he hung on the cross and saying, I appreciate it, but I need more. That should disgust you. The cross is enough. It is sufficient. So repent of dissatisfaction. Repent of seeking satisfaction in stuff under the sun. Strive to be satisfied through the cross with what you have. And then fourthly, commit to being content and living for His glory. Enjoying His provisions. Your job, your spouse, your kids, your finances, your co-workers, your neighbor, whatever it is, it's all there for your good and His glory and it's for your sanctification. You have exactly the right job and exactly the right spouse and exactly the right bank account and exactly the right house and exactly the right car and exactly the right you fill in the blank today because He's sovereign and He's your shepherd. Remember, if you have Jesus and you're not satisfied, now you never will be. If you're not a believer, this is as good as it gets. Boy, this this year's been enough to turn you. If just stuff like that could turn you. Turn in your world map and get a word map. Turn right onto contentment way in Jesus and find the joy 
and satisfaction that you're searching for. Contentment in God allows you to sleep. It allows you to enjoy your work, enjoy your wealth, enjoy your life, enjoy your God, and to live productively for Him. So I'll end with another, you know, I began with the lyric of I want more, 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 more. I'll end with a better one. We sing this all the time. I will glory in my Redeemer. Now watch the lyrics. I will glory in my Redeemer, my life He bought, my love He owns. I have no longings for another. I'm satisfied in Him alone. May His grace flower in your heart in a daily and lasting satisfaction that leads you to hope in Him and use whatever He gives for His glory, knowing that it is for your good. This is living by grace in the city of satisfaction. To live is Christ. Lord, help us. We are so easily distracted and dissatisfied. We are so easily charmed by the world, the flesh and the devil. We lose sight of you. Help us to recalibrate our hearts with your gospel on a daily, a morningly basis. To remember who we are and what we deserve and yet who you are and what you have done for us. Your salvation of us in Christ. Your promise to be our shepherd. Your promise that we won't lack. Your promise that we have everything necessary to be satisfied in you and in your grace. I pray for us. I pray for our kids. I pray for everyone, no matter what state or strata we're in. Help us to be satisfied with little, knowing it's far better than we deserve and that we have far more, even if we stay with little in this life, we have far more coming in the next and the new heavens and the new earth. But help us to be satisfied in you and what you have provided, and to not live a, a grievous life, as we've seen in this text. To live a life under your blessing that honors and loves you, in knowing that you will guide, lead, and protect and bless us, and use us for your glory, and grant us what you want us to have. And by your grace, Lord, keep us from turning good things into God things and seeking our satisfaction somewhere other than you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We praise you, yes, because you command it, but because you are worthy of it. And how could we look at the cross and not? Lord, for those who don't know you this morning, I pray that gospel seeds are sown in their heart. I pray that they might come to true repentance and faith, trusting in Jesus. For those of us who do know you, Lord, just wean us from setting our sights and our hope and our contentment and satisfaction on anything other than you. Help us to trust you as our shepherd and to walk with you, praising you daily for your grace, being happy with little or medium or much or whatever you've provided and using it all well for your glory. Lord, save and sanctify your people. Give us godly and right priorities. Help us to see above the sun so that we might live here in a God-honoring way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.